This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Kia ora and welcome to Planet Women. I'm Amanda Manal from the Hiritonga Women's Centre. September 9, marking the ninth day of the ninth month of the year, is Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, International Awareness Day, and so it's my pleasure to have both Lisa Smith and Kim Milne with me today in the studio to share more about FASD. Kim is a Principal Advisor of the FASD Care Action Network Aotearoa, and Lisa is involved with the network and also a parent of a child with FASD. Welcome to both of you. And welcome, and thank you very much. Thank you very much, Amanda. So let's start by talking about exactly what FASD is. Kim, do you want to just talk yep, us through what I this shall disorder indeed. is? Kia ora everyone. Um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder uh, is the acronym FASD. And it is a brain and body condition that can only be caused by a woman drinking alcohol during pregnancy. Uh, it is describes a broad range of physical and developmental disabilities that occur from the alcohol, because alcohol is what they call a teratogen, and it, that means it's like a toxin or a poison to your body and brain, and it can kill cells and it can alter the neural pathways in your brain, and it also affects the development of your central nervous system so and your organs, so it's has a wide range of effects. And it, it can start um, more or less from the time of conception because that is when the central nervous system in, in neutral is starting to develop. And they actually say around about week three is when the neural tube is being formed, which will then form the brain and the spinal column, and that's when the harm um, can start. And if you were to see, uh, go on our website, we've got um, a chart that shows you the fetal development and it shows that the brain and central nervous system are developing throughout pregnancy and so alcohol at any time of pregnancy mm. can have an effect on your baby, on your pepe. So it's really important to abstain from alcohol at all times. But... We don't want to blame parents or women who drink mm. because many of them are unaware they're even pregnant and a lot of damage can be done in those first couple of months. Well, and at three weeks, I mean, lots of women who weren't correct. planning pregnancies would have no That's idea correct. they were pregnant. That's correct. Yeah. And, and 50% of pregnancies in New Zealand aren't planned. So um, it's quite obvious the, the risk that you take mm. if you are drinking and you then fall pregnant um, and I do have some st- stats because I'm a stat- statistician from at heart you know um, hit us with some stats. I'm going to hit you with some stats here 71% of women drank alcohol in a recent study before pregnancy or before they became aware they were pregnant mm-hmm. uh, 23 of the women drank alcohol during the first trimester of pregnancy 13% continue to drink after the first trimester and 13,000 pregnancies are exposed to alcohol each year in Aotearoa. Gosh, those are, so, those are 
challenging stats, aren't they? It is. It's looking at, you can see that, yeah, roughly one in 20 children may actually be on the spectrum, which goes from fairly mild symptoms Mm. to the severe end of the spectrum. And it's generally, if you're lucky to have... Um, an area that does the diagnosis, your child might actually get diagnosed if they're presenting with generally extremely challenging behaviours and, um, yeah, behavioural problems, really. But it's a misconception Mm. we really want to clear up. FASD is not a behavioural condition. Behaviour is a symptom of the unmet needs of the brain and sensory environment mm. of the child. Right. So they act out because of the brain damage. It's all about the brain. Whenever mm. you think about FASD, just think it's, this is a brain-based problem. Mm. And at, we mentioned that the central nervous system and the peripheral um, nervous system were damaged. The senses are commonly affected. So, for example, I also have a son with FASD, uh, he his thermostat, his body thermostat, is completely wired wrong. In winter, he's hot. Right. In summer, he's cold. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense to us. But to him, that's his body. He doesn't yeah. understand why we're the way we are. You know, that's his norm. So there's a lot of unintended consequences that happen from the alcohol affecting the body and organs. Quite common to have eye problems, ear infections, um, Lisa can, as a paediatric nurse, can probably explain even more. But the point is, if you are trying to get pregnant, definitely don't drink any alcohol. There is no mm. known safe limit of alcohol consumption. To um, Even though your mum and your mum's mum and, and some people will say, well, I did it and it's all right, you're actually playing Russian roulette with your And, and I could give baby. an example of that is... Um, you know, one um, mother who I know, um, you know, she um, was pregnant and um, she wasn't really told clearly don't drink. It was kind of, oh, the odd drink won't do you any harm. That's what was being said by yes. health professionals a number of years ago. Right. And so maybe every two to three weeks, she'd maybe have a couple of glasses um, with her friend and her partner and um, her her friend was also pregnant and they were drinking. So they were both having a couple of glasses of wine maybe every two to three weeks, thought it wouldn't be a problem. And unfortunately, my friend, um, her, her lad was diagnosed with FASD at the age of eight. And um, her the, the friend that she was drinking with, her children didn't have any problem at all. So it is like Russian, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, sorry. And it can happen at any time during the pregnancy. That's the thing. Um, it's not just in the first trimester. Any alcohol you have at any time, because remember, alcohol is a teratogen. It's a toxin, a poison to your baby. Mm. Um, and it carries goes right through the placenta. It's one of the few drugs that just goes straight through the placenta into um, their fetus. So... Uh, you really need to not drink at all. And if you find out you're pregnant, stop drinking immediately because mm. you can really help um, mitigate any effects, mm. Mm. ongoing effects of alcohol consumption. And, yeah, what can you say, really? It's yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. It's a really clear, good message for it people is, to take it's, away. It's um, preventable. 
And Lisa, let's let's talk with you because um, as Kim mentioned, you have a paediatric nursing career and I know that you've had many challenges in the 30 plus years you've been involved in that field, um, but you have said that these pale in comparison to the challenges you've faced as a parent of a child with FASD. So to help us better understand the impacts on both children and parents, can you are you happy to share a little bit about oh, your story? Yeah, yeah, I'll certainly share, and I'll try and keep it as short as possible. <laughs> as I say, that was over in Scotland, and we adopted our lad um, when he was two years of age. He looked like a typical toddler, um, and problems really start really started to raise um, that ugly head when he started primary school. And um, within three weeks, I got called to the principal's office to be told that my son's behaviour was atrocious and quite um, dangerous at times because he often was found climbing up the drain pipes at the school and it wasn't a grass grass area. If he'd fallen, he would have fallen into hard, onto hard concrete and caused even more brain damage. So basically at that point, I was told I would have to take him home at lunchtime. And here's me trying to hold down a job, right. but ha- having to... Um, take my son home at lunchtime. So that was the start of my career and my job, having to be flexible around the needs of my um, son. And as the years went on, the battles with education was ongoing. Um, And it was really to, to try and get funding to support my son's um, specific needs and to supervise um, him and supervision is the key um, to preventing problems, particularly in the playground. For my son, the playground was a battleground, and he he would either get bullied or he would be a bully. And um, frequently, maybe once a week, I would have to drop and run from my work to go and pick him up. Frequently, he would be stood down for a week because of his challenging uh, um, behaviours. Things did improve when you would maybe get um, some funding support put put in um, around his learning and behaviour, but then his behaviour would improve and they'd think, oh yeah, we've sorted him, and they take the supports away and then it would all fall down again, that he needs that external structure and scaffolding, just like a child who um, is paraplegic who requires a wheelchair. Our kids actually need an invisible wheelchair around them. And it doesn't get any better as they get older. In fact, it gets harder because they just want to be like, they see themselves as being like any other individual Mm. um, and teenagers and young adults they're risk taking they're taking alcohol and and you know and and um, you cannot continue it's a real struggle to be that helicopter parent Mm. and to to try and keep them safe from harm they are extremely vulnerable individuals and I really equate um, the journey that I've had as an adventure Okay, a huge big adventure in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, Lisa. Um, and, um, but from that, it's made me a better person, a better nurse, 
and that I'm able to do the very best in the job that I do as a children's continence nurse because that does involve um, challenging behaviours um, as well. And I always, and I've I just said it a wee while ago, mm. you know me, Kim, I just turn bad into good. Yeah. That's it. That's my motto, turn bad into good. So that's a shortened version, oh, very short version. And your son is now in his mid-twenties? He's 25, but he's sometimes he can act 25, and sometimes he can act like a three- or a four-year-old like he did this morning because he got his medication too late. And so for him, his life is going to be living with you um, without that level of independence. He's going to need that supervision. He cannot. 80% of individuals um, with FASD, and particularly those that have got an intellectual impairment like my son, Mm. um, there's no way he can live independently or even semi-independently. He needs a very high level of supervision to keep him safe. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. So my next question was, how can uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder be prevented? And I think we've made that really clear. Yeah, there's only one thing. You you, no you just don't drink at any stage during your pregnancy because we just don't know the effect. There is, during periods, weeks 3 to 18 are crucial. Uh, not 18, 3 to 8 are crucial. Yeah and brain development and body development, but you can also get the sentinel facial features. So these are specific features that are used to help diagnose FASD, but they only um, are formed between uh, days 19 through 21 of pregnancy. And so only about 5% of people will have those sentinel features, so you can't see FASD. It is a hidden disability. Mm. Um, The key determining a characteristic, if you like, of FASD is actually what Lisa was talking about, this, this maturity. Right. Where you've got your chronological age, yeah. but your developmental age. And the two can be wildly different in mm. different domains. Like and at different times of the day. <laughs> absolutely true. Every day is like a box of chocolates. You never quite know what you're going to get. And what you had yesterday, you won't have today. Oh. <laughs> so you've got to be ultimately flexible. Um, but... Um, it is very common for people with FASD to be very good at ex, um, expressive language. So, like, if let's say they, they were eighteen chronologically, that's their age. Yeah, they could be, have the verbal um, ability to talk can, at a twenty-year-old, but talk, their they understanding talk. it could be around a seven-year-old. Yeah. It is that diverse. Right, they can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. And their social skills yeah. tend to lag. They're much younger. Right. And so if you're interacting with a person with FASD, always think younger and probably have their chronological age, and that's where you pitch your communication with right. an FASD person mm-hmm. and the way you interact with them and the things they're probably interested in. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, they could still be into watching cartoons on TV because that's developmentally My son still where they are. still watching Chuggington at times. And he's 25. Yeah. You know. So you've got to think yeah. a lot younger because those skills have been um, lagging for, mm. and, and they take a lot of intentional input to develop. Um, and we don't do that very well in New Zealand, unfortunately. No. So, why do you think it's important to start conversations with others about FASD? Well, I, I just think. Um, I've been doing a lot over the years, um, you know, talking locally and nationally 
um, about FASD and if I could prevent one child mm. from from having FASD then um, that is just huge yeah. um, because I would not I love my son to bits but I would not wish that on any other child because at times my son gets really upset and he will hold his brain and sometimes say I wish I had a normal brain I wish it wasn't like this because sometimes his brain just gets so jumbled up and mixed up and he cannot make sense of it and he can't make good decisions so that's really why both Kim and I do what we uh, do and and my son has actually said to me mum I'm so proud of you because don't let people make another me Because it's so hard for them to exist and live in this world where they're not understood or accepted for who they are. Because they look normal. They look normal. But the alcohol has a stigma attached to it. If you think about ADHD, you don't think of a stigma attached to it like it's a dirty, hidden secret, do you? No. There is something about the the fact that this has been caused by alcohol consumption. And I'm not to drink it. Yeah. yeah, like it was yeah. deliberate. There's no woman that I know in the world was deliberately, deliberately. set out to no. harm their child. No. And certainly FASCAN accepts that and we support all women. Mm. Um, nobody does that. There's lots of no. life syst- systems and environments and trauma in their backgrounds if they, you, you know, just can't addiction. I'm, I met my son's mother, birth mother, and um, she was brought up in a home where she had, she literally had to bring herself up because both her parents were alcoholics. So I certainly don't blame her. And that is often the situation with a lot of other women out there that are vulnerable and abused. And often the way they cope is they turn to alcohol, unfortunately. And addiction is very high. And, it's, and the thing of, that what's happened in society in the last 20, 30 years is women have gained equality with men and lead more similar lives to men they have started consuming alcohol as part of that Higher lifestyle. Yeah. And, but the irony is, thank goodness, the younger women tend to be doing better than the middle-aged women like you and I, who still consume quite regularly. So, you know, it's ironic, but hopefully that's a good sign it's going forward. Moving forward yeah. Yeah. But the, why is it important to start the conversation? Because it is technically preventable. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. there is only one cause. Yeah. And so... If we can get the message out that there is no safe limit uh, of of consumption of alcohol during any stage of pregnancy, there are going to be lives that are going to be a heck of a lot better. Because of it. Because of it. And and I think the financial impact, they did a study, I think, in America many years ago, and that for one individual diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, it will cost the... uh, the society or, or cost the country um, 2 million US dollars and that was a number of years ago and I would no, say no I would say that's what I've spent on my well, so well, well I'm just saying I've probably got there with my boy too yeah. you know? and my boy's lucky because he and it's, he's not really lucky but my boy's lucky because he's got an intellectual disability so I get disability funding and support and I couldn't cope without it yeah yeah well, my son has an average IQ because most of people with FASD, it's nothing to do with IQ. It's not about you, how intelligent you are. It's about your adaptive and social skills that um, the defining factors. But yeah, he's got an average IQ. The only reason he gets some support is because he has significant mental health challenges and that is a 
huge problem for people with FASD yeah. as they age. There's no def- definitive funding for someone that gets diagnosed with FASD. So that segues me really nicely mm. into my asking the mm. question of you, for those who might be worried that their child might have FASD, what can they do? Where should, oh. they, where should they reach out to? They start with their GP. Okay. Go to your GP, express your concerns, uh, seek a referral to a community paediatrician. Okay. Unfortunately, that can take some time because mm-hmm. the, we've all heard the, <laughs> how under-resourced our, our system is, but um, that is the way you can get it done publicly and for free. Yeah. If you have money, mm-hmm. you can go and ask for a, an assessment. Um, if you go on our website, we've actually got a diagnostic map up that <laughs> shows where we have diagnosis capability in New Zealand. It's quite shocking. Right. Uh, it's decreased over the last 10 years. We only have four fub- publicly funded Te Whata Ora sites, child development services that actually offer and um, have a capacity, I should say, mm-hmm. to do an FASD diagnosis mm-hmm. out of all of the sites. It's ridiculous. There's none in the South Island. What about in Hawke's Bay? Can yeah, we are we lucky. Are, we're okay. leading the way in Hawke's Bay. Okay. We are so lucky. So we are fantastic. We have a great multidisciplinary team. approach team, uh, team approach, sorry, here in Hawke's Bay. We are very mm. lucky. But just imagine there's nothing in the South Island publicly funded. No. And um, the cost of going private can be quite prohib- prohibitive for a lot of people. Mm. We can go up. In excess of seven thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it's out of reach for most people. I mean, yeah. you can get it cheaper by some people, yeah. but so anyway, if you are interested, I would thoroughly yeah. encourage you to go onto our website, which is www.fasd-can.org.nz, and search for diagnosis. And also on your website, for our listeners who might want better information, there's a lot of resources that can help out there. It's fantastic. It has just Mm. grown so much in the last sort of 10 years from when when I was a founding member. And people can become a member, and it's it's completely free. Great. And there is an FASD handbook, which can be, when you become a member, you will get it free and you can download it free and you can give it out to as many people as you like, which is what I do with every support person that my son encounters, which is often frequent because a number of them struggle with his, um, um, struggle with him. So in the last few minutes that I've got to chat with you, um, I wanted to just head back to the FASD International Awareness Day and how perhaps during the month of September we as a community, maybe we don't have children in our lives who have FASD, but what we what we can do to support? Well, you know that the, the ninth day of the ninth month is um, symbolises the nine months of pregnancy. That's why that was... Of being um, international free, that was why yeah. it was picked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have the we're the first to market because we're at the beginning of the timeline. Um, um, what can you do? Um, you can go to write to your local MP. Um, you can um, 
go talk to your principal at the school and say, can we do a fundraiser like a, you know, gold coin donation, dress up day or something? Um, what else could you do? You could... I guess you could talk to your networks and those people in your mm. family, mm. whanau, yep. friend groups yeah, about just, the importance yeah, socially of... that if you're out socially um, and um, you know you're you know I I bring it up socially when I'm out generally with people so mm. that people know I think that clear message that you made before Kim yep. that's come through very clear is that there's no safe time during pregnancy to drink alcohol so being able to pass on that message to anybody that you encounter um, particularly I guess women who are thinking about pregnancy or mm. maybe trying mm. or um, mm. maybe pregnant I think that's got to help you, you, yes absolutely um, you're in, a, in the Heratonga Women's Centre is maybe um, putting posters up because there's plenty of posters about don't smoke during pregnancy but there's not actually that much on you know, no alcohol. But I think the problem is that, that you know, my mother said that I, you know, she drank and I'm fine. That's mm. the message we've got to get across. It really is Russian roulette. And there's so many things that come into play. Your genetic makeup, when the alcohol is consumed, how much it's consumed. Yeah. Um, uh, a whole lot of things that just kind of make every child unique. And unfortunately, you might be the unlucky one. Absolutely. And your mm. child, therefore, might be the unlucky one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you both very much. We could have probably carried on for another hour on this topic, but I really appreciate you coming coming in. I really appreciate you sharing your stories, your personal stories, because I think that's um, so important for people to understand that we're not just talking about facts and figures. We're talking about real parents, real children, and real experiences. And, and for us, it's lifelong. Yeah. We'll never... Our son... Our sons will be with us. Unless we can change the world. <laughs> and we'll leave Planet Women on that beautiful <laughs> Thank you for us. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.